G'day Sparta. Welcome to episode three of Not the Sparta Town Council podcast. And today we're going to examine the role of town professionals in our building approval process. We're also going to speak to the second council member with the guts to front her community, council member Molly Wildsmith. But before we get into that, there's a few things our community needs to know about the role township professionals play in the building approval process in Sparta. When things like ordinance changes are put in front of our town council to vote on, the council members take advice on the changes from town professionals. Historically, Sparta's employed a full-time town engineer who quarterbacks that entire process. The town engineer is paid as a normal salaried employee of the township and determines which professionals should be called upon to assist our elected officials in deciding if a rule change is in the town's interests. Those town professionals who are called upon to weigh in are paid out of funds posted by the prospective property developer into something called an escrow account, which is basically just a deposit that a potential developer posts to fund any actions the town may need to make in order to adjudicate the approval. The setup works well because the town engineer has no monetary incentive to see the approval granted. Instead, their incentive is to get the process right and town professionals are brought in on a case-by-case basis where their specific skill set is relevant to the specific question that our council members are grappling with at the time. But at a town council meeting on February 23 in 2021, our town council collapsed that structure. And in its place, they installed one professional engineering firm called CP Engineers, run by a guy called Stan Putch to take over the entire process. And that's a problem. The reason it's a problem is that the circuit breaker that used to exist between the township's interests and the financial interests of prospective developers doesn't work properly anymore. CP engineers now exert influence over the entire process and Push and his firm have a directly scalable financial incentive tied to the cadence and the size of the approvals which flow from the regulatory body he advises. This is the most basic conflict of interest which can arise in a regulatory setting. Because as a private contractor, Push's firm can be doing anything outside of their role advising the township. I'm going to play the audio now from the meeting when the decision to install Push into this position of authority was passed. Take note of a couple of things. Firstly, listen to how deferential some members of the town council are to this bloke. It's like they're scared of upsetting him by even having a discussion as to whether or not it's proper for Push to wield the sort of power that he's going to have after they make this change. And secondly, listen to who the motivated actors are on our town council in codifying this overtly compromised model into our town's review process. And a hint, it's exactly who you're expecting it to be. Okay, we'll come back to resolution 9-1. Councilwoman Wildsmith, you had some um, you want to some comment on that? Yeah, I just really have a question. You know, I really appreciate CP engineers are consummate professionals. Their work is excellent. They've totally given us fantastic advice in the past, but I'm just wondering now um, if it's time for an analysis to look at that expenditure versus a full-time 
Sparta planner. So it's just a question, so I'm asking that of my council colleagues and also the manager if you think it's prudent to do, like, an analysis to compare whether or not, and Stan, your work is amazing. I'm just wondering if we're at that point where you definitely got us out of a pinch when we had an engineer leave and we in the middle of so many projects, and it seems like we do have a lot of projects going on now, so I'm just asking, what do you guys think? That's Council Member Wildsmith, and that's exactly the right question to be asking. So I will uh, we'll go through everyone again. I'll call on everyone for comments. Um, so we'll start with Councilman Hertzberg. Any comments um, with regards to that? Councilman I mean, Wildsmith? I've only been here for uh, a couple of weeks now, but I think Stan's work has been phenomenal, actually. And It uh, is. Um, that's not in question. So I think we can have a discussion about that, but I... I don't think that precludes us from, from moving forward right now. So Hertzberg just said, yeah, sure, we should consider that, but let's change the rules now and talk about it later on. Sound familiar? Deputy um, Mayor Smith? Yeah, I, I understand um, Molly's question. Um, I, I think from what I've understood with Stan's firm, we have access to several different avenues of engineers uh, for one price. Um, as opposed to if we bring an engineer in, um, we may have to still farm out quite a bit uh, of different areas. Uh, so I do think the one advantage... And just to be clear, that's the mayor who's meant to be speaking in our interests, not the interests of CP engineers. And I'm not sure I agree with his analysis of the cost of this proposal, because think about where we are now. The broad spectrum of engineering abilities and knowledge uh, from Stan's firm, so that's the way I feel about it anyway. Councilman Chiarello? Um, I, I agree that uh, I would like to do a little bit more analysis before we move ahead with uh, 9-1, but um, so, but I, I'd make a comment. So we we, we had a full-time engineer on our staff for, for I believe, many years, um, and then, you know, the CP engineers filled in in the pinch when we needed them, and that was, they did, as I, I echo with everybody, uh, Stan is a, is a great guy, does fantastic work. Uh, but I want to know what changed between then and now that we, that we no longer have need for a full-time engineer. And that's Council Member Dan Chiarello asking for a review of the likely problems that could come from this arrangement. And look how they answer him. What's, what's changed, I guess, is the question. So I'm going to, I'm going to just, um, speak to what I see um, on the planning board as well, as you all know. Yep, we sure do know that, Council Member Quinn. One of the one of the things about the way that business is done right now um, and the way that things are happening right now, um, Sparta did have a planner at one point. Um, we, have, we have Tom on the phone and Stan in the room, and I'm sure that you will both agree um, that there are, there is limited space available anymore for actual planning. She actually just said that. <laughs> um, we have been using on the planning board a professional service as well because we do not need the, you know, in the past we were paying a lot of money for someone to come to every single meeting, be it every single thing. Um, and really, honestly, that was, that, was, um, that was not necessary. So we moved forward and said, you know what? Um, we asked the manager to put together a professional service that brought back to the planning board and was agreed to so that when we have a need, we go to the service provider. And I think the other thing here as well with regard to the engineer, yes, we had a full-time engineer, and even at that time, we were still in need of additional engineering services from external 
because the specialization of the different projects that we had going on required engineers that were qualified differently. Absolutely right, Council Member Quinn. That's how the model's supposed to work. So I will just reiterate um, Count, uh, Deputy Mayor Smith's point in that the beauty here is we have an agreement in place which is very cost-effective that affords us the ability to pull on different expertise the second that we need it. And I think, um, in my opinion, being on both, uh, you know, seeing this and also being on the board, um, in my opinion, this is the path forward. Um, it's no different than how other businesses and, and uh, municipalities are handling other services also. This is patently wrong. It's not the way that this process runs in other townships, and it's explicitly the way that regulatory bodies try to avoid discharging approvals everywhere. So in my opinion, you know, I am behind 9-1. Um, I think we had a conversation several weeks back about the cost. Uh, that question was asked, I believe, by Councilman Chiarello and answered so uh, satisfactorily. And I think for the, you know, we seem to be of the uh, opinion, or I am of the opinion, I will say, of talking for myself, that it is money well spent to be able to have access to diverse knowledge. But to be clear, the normal model does not restrict access to diverse knowledge. What Council Member Quinn is doing here is misdirecting the public about the purpose of this change. But we're used to that by now. And again, as I've said before, it's very difficult to tell if she's doing it deliberately or if she just doesn't understand what she's saying. But the bottom line is that a new model was brought to Sparta Township, which is incongruent with the regulatory regime that exists pretty much everywhere else. And I'm not going to play the rest of the clip here, but please follow the link in the episode notes and listen to it. Because what happens after that is that they agree to conduct a study and a review of the position of CP engineers in our approval process after they change the rules to empower them. Sound familiar? Well, guess what? They never reviewed anything. Okay, so our interview today is with council member Molly Wildsmith. Molly's been very forthright in explaining the fact that the ordinance changes that greased the wheels for Diamond Chip's proposal to be disqualified from community review were presented to her dishonestly. And Molly's asked me to state before you hear the interview that she's one of a five-member council and that her views may or may not reflect the views of the other council members. So without further ado, here's Molly.
All right. We are live, not live, but we're recording with council member Molly Wildsmith. Thank you very much for coming on to the Not the Sparta Town Council podcast. I appreciate you having me. Thanks, Jack. No, you're very welcome. Uh, it's great to have you. So let's kick off by, do you want to tell us how you ended up in Sparta, the time you've served on the council? Let us know how you find yourself in the spot you are today. So my husband and I moved here in 1997 to Sussex County from England. We didn't have, we were married, but we hadn't started our family yet. And I really wanted to have my children in America. I had visited Sparta once or twice because my uncle Mike was a council person and former mayor here. Had no idea that that might be in my future, but he's my favorite uncle. And so we visited Sparta. And when we came to move to America, we just stopped by to visit him and drove down Winona Parkway and fell in love with what is Lake Mohawk. I was then blessed to have my children. I was very involved in my church, the parish carnival, you know, class mom, boy scout leader, (laughs) girl scout leader, lots of fundraisers and very involved in the community. And in 2010, we had a council, there were five gentlemen that were at odds often. Mm -hmm. And I thought that it, the council could really benefit from a female point of view. Yeah. So I ran for council and I was elected and it's been my privilege to serve the community since then. No, look, we're lucky to have you. So I think um, what the first thing we, we should talk about is um, I think people have a pretty good understanding of how the change in the ordinance rules has made it easier for developers to apply under the permitted use exemption. Um, so I thought um, it might be worthwhile getting you to recount your um, recollection of the meeting where those changes were put in front of you to vote um, and describe for us why it was you were unable to know that they were the opening act of what we now know to be, you know, the diamond chip proposal to develop Sparta Ready Mix into a logistics terminal. Sure. So if everybody um, really wanted to know exactly what happened on the night of the adoption of the ordinance, they could listen. Mm online to our YouTube channel and hear who said what and when. Um, Councilman Chiarello, when we were having the hearing on February 23rd, was very diligent, asked many questions in terms of scope and size. He was concerned about the traffic. He was concerned about the environment. Mm. So those questions, you can hear the answers and see if any of that resonates in terms of a 880,000 square foot warehouse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the answers that he was given for the changes in terms of impervious coverage and also the height was to bring the ordinance into industry standards. So, um, and just for everybody's benefit, like you guys get given a bunch of different stuff to vote on, you know, a couple times a month, and there's just no way that that you can be expected to be able to accurately forecast what every rules change might amount to in the future. So do, do you then... When you're a council person, you have homework. Right, right. You're right. given material, you're expected to read it. So we certainly read that. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly looked at the minutes for when the ordinance was discussed in front of the planning board. Mm-hmm. And when the ordinance was introduced on February 9th, an introduction does not merit a conversation. The conversation happens during the hearing. Right. So for council people, 90% of the time plus, we're all agreeing on things. We are all working together and we don't defer and we have many unanimous votes where we're all voting in favor of the same thing. So for me, once this passed, mm. now I know it's of uh, 
great importance when I start hearing different things that were not mentioned to us at the council meeting during the hearing. Mm, so things, give us, could you give us an example of that? Well, very specifically was the attorney for the developer when he mentioned at the April 6th planning board meeting that the changes to the ordinance were in particular for that specific project. I mean, I can't remember word for word. I yeah, should. Mm, <laughs> I yeah, should. it's a, it's it's a, I I do because I I've got the recording. Um, I don't think we need to hit every purpose of uh, zoning in the state of New Jersey. That was the reason for adopting the ordinance amendment to the ED zone to pr to permit this project, and we are fully consistent with this ordinance. <laughs> I'm going to make that clip my new ringtone, I reckon. But, but So what did you think when you heard Stephen Cohen say that? I nearly fell off my chair. I wish I could have pressed rewind in the live meeting because I said <laughs> to myself, did he really just say that? Yeah, it's unbelievable. In which case, and what was, what was even more unbelievable is that Councilman Chiarello had asked the specific question mm. on February 23rd, are we making these amendments for any business in particular? The answer was no. Mm -hmm. And we now know that to be a lie, right? Well, it depends on whose perspective. My opinion is that certainly these look like very specific changes. Um, and so I question for sure. I would like to know who wrote the ordinance, who talked to who about what changes needed to be made, who met who and when. So that's what I'm trying to figure out, right? So the, the way that... Um, the normal process for this sort of... Uh, and we are just talking about the ordinance. Yeah, no, we're not talking about the proposal. We're talking about the we're talking about the ordinances which made way for Diamond Chip's proposal to be qualified as a permitted use. Yeah. So um, the, the normal way that these seem to come about, changes to ordinance, is that the planning board sort of initiates the, the potential rules change and then it gets brought to the town council. Is that right? For land use. Other ordinances would have nothing to do with the planning board, oh, but yes. for land use, it would be that right. way. Right. So this came, you know, came from the planning board to be voted on at the town council. Um, do you know how how the planning board discharges that responsibility? Like, do you know what their process is for bringing something to the town council? Well, in this instance, they had presentations regarding the changes for the ordinance, and they had discussions, and they talked about it on several occasions. They talked about it on July 15th of 2020, kind of an initial conversation to describe the changes that would need to be made. Mm -hmm. um, they talked about it in November. They talked about it in September and they talked about it in November. Molly's leafing through a very well organized and detailed portfolio of documents in front of me. If you're, you're wondering uh, the rustling sound. Uh, it's my timeline. No, I, I, I think it's very impressive. I wish that my filing system was that efficient. Um, okay, so what? What? what perhaps a, to ask you an open question. I mean, where, where, where do you think? What do you think went wrong here? I'm at a loss. You know, I I feel like we're a small town, and we're all hopefully trying to do our very best for all of our residents because we're raising our families here. Um, but somehow a wolf got into the hen house here. Mm -hmm. So. That ordinance had no mention of 880,000 square feet anything. Yeah. Do you know what the second largest warehouse, if this is developed, it'll be the largest at 880,000 square feet. Do you know what the second largest is? 90, nine zero. 
It's 10 times the size. Now, this is aggressive, right? So let's say if you were going to try to pull this off in Sparta, you'd go for something maybe three times bigger yeah, than yeah, the next yeah. biggest warehouse. I actually asked the question one at one point. I said, please like put this in perspective for me. Is this three times larger? Is it 10 times larger? How much larger is it? And the answer was, I'll look into it. <laughs> I'm like, okay, good. And then literally the next day, is it's just how the universe works. But Sparta Responsible Development put out that picture with an overlay of the land mm. and the size of this would be with another little square that would be the perspective of the next largest warehouse in Sparta. Yeah. And it looks like it's like Jupiter next to Mars. Like it's 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 ridiculous. <laughs> but even if you read the ordinance, you, you can't get out of that, that, that there could be something of that size. Here's the other problem I had with the... The way it was described was that if um, there's been many references that this ordinance would pertain to just a few lots, a few properties that were accessible to the rail line within 1,500 feet. Um, so a few is a few, right? So you would think then, in terms of this capacity study, it should have happened first because you should have been able to say on lot one, this is the size and impact it could be on lot two. This is the size and impact it could be, yeah. et cetera. Right. So I feel like that was very important information that wasn't shared. Yeah. So who's doing the not sharing um, is the big question, right? Um, you know, a lot of things jump out to me that, you know, it's very clear that there was a pre-existing relationship between the developer and some members of the town council. You can tell that when he, when he, when Jim Ford was first introduced to the town council, I've got a video of, I don't know of any relationship between my colleagues. Right, you don't know of any. Okay. I I really don't. Yeah, no, no, that's fine. If you don't, I mean, but what I'm saying is that that it's very obvious that there was, right? So, like, I mean, it's 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 very obvious that there was a relationship there. So, I'm unable to be in the room for those. Mm. So I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's fine. Um, do you? Um, I mean, so the wolf is in the, is in the hen house. Let's talk now about. You've been incredibly brave and courageous in in trying to move um, the board, the council, to vote on rescinding the ordinance changes. Um, we all saw a, a, a bit of a discussion about that at the town council meeting on Tuesday night, um, but you know, I, I don't think it was a particularly uh, well well explored concept the whole decision the whole thing got muddied at the start by some comments from some other council members and then i feel like it turned into a discussion about what would happen if we removed the entire building ordinance regime and we made every warehouse illegal and da -da 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 -da. I, I didn't feel like there was a real substantive discussion of just rescinding these changes what, what do you think about that I think we should be able to have these conversations in public session that we should work together to fix like I said the other night, stopping the bleeding. Um, and I'm still trying to understand the legal parameters pertaining to it. I'm not an attorney. I don't want to get the town in any trouble. But I also um, am listening to the constituents. And so. Yeah. And the constituents unanimously, you know, and I've spoken to so many people, everybody, and I ask everyone this question, would you rather this project go ahead and not the township not get sued? Or would you rather this project stop and the town get sued? And everyone prefers the latter, right? But the bigger point, I think, is that the risk of potential legal action from the developer against the township is being deliberately exaggerated by people who want this approval to flow from the planning board. 
And, you know, the legal record states that Diamond Chip improperly influenced the town council's change to the ordinance laws, right? Well, that would be determined. Well, I mean, the lawyer has said it in a formal legal setting. So that that is the legal record at this stage, right? I think the more important question is if, if you're me and if you're the other council members and you knew this was going to happen, would you make that same vote again? Right, right, right. Well, that's that's what I'm saying. So yeah. if 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 the if the developer were to entertain a legal action against the township, all of this would become admissible in a superior court, at which point the judge would rule on whether or not the legislators made those changes in with the with the right knowledge, right? So I don't think they'd want to go down that rabbit hole, but I'm speculating. But you're right. The bigger point is, would you would to the rest of the council members, would you have um, voted the way you did if you knew this? Um, now I can't get an answer on that from council members Quinn, Hertzberg, or Smith because none of them will talk to me. But what's your answer to that question? Certainly not. <laughs> yeah. Do you, have you asked them that? Um, I have asked different council members that question and. You know, they can answer it for you. I Did anyone say no? I think that they're all doing their homework and they're trying to understand. You know, for me, I have a very black and white sense of things. As soon as that mm. developer's attorney made that statement in the planning board, I was on a different page, yep. like from that moment. And good on you for, good on you for, for, I mean, this would have been an, it would have been easy to, um, let all the internal pressure that there is for this approval just to flow and to move on. It would have been easy to to not do what you're doing and stand up for the community. So I think everyone is uh, is really impressed and admires the fact that you've done that. Um, so where do we stand now with the process of rescinding the ordinances? Is that on or off the table? I mean, what what should the community know about where we are in that process? <clears throat> that I am certainly exploring other options. What are the other options? I'm going to kind of strategize a little more with that rather than share. So something that I've been pretty vocal about at the um, at the town council is is the fact that the zoning board is refusing to let the community speak um, pertaining uh, the project, which is very controversial, and uh, that the planning board is kind of instructing people to go to the zoning board. And so you have this regulatory circular reference, which is, you know, I've described it in some of my articles as a black hole where the community's concerns get funneled into and disappear. Um, do you see that as a problem? And uh, are there any potential ways to to mitigate that issue? So Jack, definitely a planning board member and a zoning board member and a council person should never be trying to influence one another. So let's just not this particular topic we're not talking about, but several years into and several times during my tenure, I had been aware of different applications that had gone from a planning board to the zoning board. And it doesn't matter than a municipality. I think it happens in places where there's a planning board and a zoning board. Um, and then they'll the applicant will have spent money, they'll go to the zoning board and then they're referred back to a planning board and they just wasted a lot of time. So I started looking into a single land use board. In fact, Hopatcong has a single land use board, newly created. So when I brought this up, there are some particular uh, statutes that may prohibit Sparta from doing that unless we were to have, I believe, a referendum. So I would really love to see the next council explore that so that if that's happening now, that wow. it doesn't happen again. Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah. Okay. That's that's fascinating. It sounds really promising. So, well, it, hopefully, it's promising. I think there's a, a lot of homework to do, but in the past, mm-hmm. um, nobody else thought that was a good idea, or there was some reason why they weren't able to do it. Well, yeah, and, and I mean, look, you're sitting there trying to be innovative about ways to improve the community's stake in these approvals. I think it's fantastic. Um, you know, some of your peers are doing the precise opposite. Um, so. That would, um, and, and also that idea also grabs me because this is the sort of question which, if you did put it to a referendum in the community, you know, it'd be, it would succeed uh, strongly, I believe, given how outraged everyone is about what the current model has delivered for us. You might not want to answer this question, so you just say no if you don't want to. Um, so, one of I think the most pernicious aspects of what's going on is that some members of the various boards and the council are presenting themselves like they're hearing and acting upon the community's concerns when they know that there is no scope for those concerns to be acted on in the planning board approval process as it happens now. And the best example of that was when Sally Larson at the town council meeting asked for a review of the safety of school zones and the additional traffic that this project is going to push into our community's school zones. And council member Quinn sagely nodded along and then uh, said that she would refer it to the relevant person to have it incorporated into the traffic study. But as we know, the traffic study does not or is not allowed to legally incorporate traffic pushed into the community by the project because it's a permitted use. I mean, how does it make you feel that some people on the board are pretending to answer community questions about child safety? I mean, it makes makes me feel sick. We're going to go with a hard no on answering that. Okay. So, but I'm also going to say on Councilwoman Quinn's behalf, like she's a huge advocate for children in our community. I, I, sh- I, I I'm in no way suggesting that that her, Josh, or Dave Smith are, are, are in any way against the safety of our children. But that that but because no one except for a psychopath is. But and the they traffic, and the traffic right? is definitely already being pushed in that direction. So yeah, well, so this is my point. So so it's one thing to say that you know I, I I'm all for child safety. Of course, of course they are. But they're also making themselves an obstacle to a review of how much traffic will go into our school zone. So, I mean, there's they just don't have a leg to stand on that front, I'm afraid. But I won't ask you to comment on it anymore because it's... Well, one of the things I wanted to share about traffic, really, that came up during the planning board conversations mm. is that as this uh, drafted ordinance was being prepared at the planning board level before... It, um, they were trying to sell it on reduction, reducing the traffic on the roads. Oh, really? That the advantage of the freight rail lines would be a resource to the township and will reduce the traffic on the road. So um, that is that is one of the statements from Mr. Bush. Molly's reading from the minutes here just for everybody. And and also that's referenced a second time out of the three meetings. So if you hear that and you are concerned about the kids, you're kind of thinking that this might help until you know it's not going to. Oh, Right. Okay. Well, that's interesting. So at the time, yeah. I mean, now though, I don't think anyone, and no, no, no rational person thinks that you can build a project with 191 semi-trailer bays, 306 car spaces, 50 trailer parking spots on a road, which already has the lowest possible national rating for traffic congestion in route 15 and not impact the traffic to the community. I mean, you have to be a moron to say that, right? Um, and some people are saying it. So but that, that that that's fascinating about the 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 information furnished to you early in the process was was just wrong, right? 
Well, on, ref- on reflection, I mean, I don't believe everything that everyone tells me is 100% truthful. Yeah. I just always, you know, Reagan's favorite quote, trust but verify. Yeah. And I'm that kind of girl. But um, I really did trust the professionals when we were talking. But mm. also on the evening of the 23rd, when Dan was trying to ask his questions, um, I wanted to hear every single question because he's thoughtful mm-hmm. and he was addressing all of the concerns that have come up now. Yeah. yeah. You know, he addressed them that night. Yeah. He didn't leave any other questions for anybody else. Like he was very thorough. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's the sort of guy that, that you know, we, we want up there. Um, tell me a little bit about the character of the discussions within the council, because something that I'm noticing, like when I listen to these town council meetings and they're all available online, right? So everyone's free to form their own opinion, but there seems to be an enormous amount of hostility shown to Dan from the rest of the group. Do you think that's fair to say? I would say that I've been an advocate of Dan's from day one. Well, you're the only person who defends him though. Like, Well, I ran against him at that point. We were not pals, but once he was elected, he's on my team. Yeah. And, and you can hear that. I mean, to everybody listening, you should just click onto the, there's a YouTube channel. I'll put the link in the episode notes and you can listen to the audio from these meetings. And I, I don't know, like it, it seems to me like for whatever reason, council member Dan is, is oft, often seems to just be like sort of ignored and talked down to by, particularly by, um, the mayor and the deputy mayor. I don't think I'm imagining it. It's pretty clear when you listen to the audio. In that case, I really don't need to comment on it. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I mean, I, I guess to, to ask if have, do you feel that it's been easy for you to voice your concerns? And this is a general question, you know, over time, have you felt empowered to say the things you want to say sitting on that council? So I empower myself and I also try to empower others. So there have been occasions where I might completely disagree with Dan and he's trying to ask a question mm. and he's trying to ask a question and people may not be acknowledging the question and he'll make a motion and I'll have to second the motion, even if I agree with it, even if I disagree with it, just to facilitate the conversation. Yeah. So. Which is exactly the right thing to do. I mean, this is local government. And then we'll hear whatever has to be said and then we'll vote and we need to start from scratch on every single different matter. And, uh, do our best from there. Mm. I just, and I, the reason I ask this question is I'm not trying to, it's not, I'm not trying to get some sort of like gotcha comment where you, yeah. where you mug off one of your, one of your colleagues. Sure. I'm more trying to understand whether there's a structural issue here in terms of the, the, the discussion that's, that's ongoing. And, and I think there is. We're just all very different and we bring different things to the table. Right. And there's a way, there's a, there's a, there's a right and a wrong way to, to react to that varying sets of experience and of views and the right way is what you're doing which is to try to foster an open discussion the wrong way is to exclude somebody because you identify as a different cohort than them that's the worst thing that anyone can do i mean we wouldn't do it in our day jobs so no exactly hopefully not um i mean you you definitely wouldn't um the elections are upcoming um i i know that for a long time you've um you've uh, this has been your last term. You you didn't intend to to run for election, and you've um, you've allocated a huge amount of your time and many years. So thank you and congratulations. Um, is there anything you'd like to sort of say to the community of Sparta about the upcoming elections in terms of voting, or even if there was you know people were considering running stuff like that? Sure. You really only need to love your community. 
maybe want to set an example for your children, which was one of the major drivers for me. Um, the election is November. There are three seats up for election. Mine is certainly up for grabs because I'm not running for a fourth term. I think two terms should be the limit, really. Yeah. Um, Do you think that the reason they don't have term limits, though, is because it's just it's hard to get people to run? Like, no. is it? No, I don't. When I first ran, I ran with 11 other people. Oh, wow. Okay. So, because I've never, you know, I've only, my wife and I only uh, bought our house here in, uh, a couple of years ago, but I, up to this point, I haven't been involved at all. So I don't really know how hotly contested the elections are. So at that time, we had a runoff election when we narrowed it down to like the top six vote getters. Mm. And then as soon as three of us were elected, we eliminated the runoff scenario. So it's really just numbers one, two, and three will get in. Um, if you want to run for council in Sparta Township, uh, funnily enough, I just had an email today from the clerk. The packets are ready to go. You can pick them up at town hall. All right. So you have to have 166 signatures. Okay. Kate's prepared the packets with like pages. Um, so the resident has to be a registered voter in Sparta. Mm -hmm. um, and she's got four pages of lines where you just get the signature and the address of the resident, and you have to hand those in on September 6th. Okay. Well, 166 signatures by September 6th, and you're a candidate. I reckon we'll do it. We might do a campaign on this show to get people to, to stick their hand up. Um, because I think that's a, at the end of the day, I know we get into the weeds on all this stuff and sometimes it gets a little bit heated, but at the end of the day, what this is about is the community's interests being served. Absolutely. And when participation is strong, the community's interests will always be served because people won't reelect somebody who does the wrong thing. And in addition to that, I really think that um, if you're going to run for election, you don't put a time limit on people coming to a microphone when they want to express their views. You don't say you're going to meet end the meeting at a certain time. If you wanted to do it because you care about the residents, then you want to listen to what they all have to say. Mm. So, um, yeah. That's that's kind of it. Well, I think that's a good uh, good note to finish up on. It's um because ultimately, as much as it is, as uh, I'm probably the the most guilty party of um you know being combative in my views about this, and certainly at the at the planning board and the town councils, I am, but I have to be to get heard. And I'll be honest, I kind of like it, but um. But <laughs> it is. I can tell you enjoy what you do. It's fun, right? Like, I mean, I usually do this in Washington, D.C. during the week for work. And so it's fun to come and do it and, you know, something where I, I can make a difference and I actually care. Um, but uh, or I care more. But um, but I think it's a I think we're moving to a more constructive tone of the discussion now, because I think um, I think awareness is rising uh, of what's going on um, and you know, because people like yourself are, are engaging with the community, engaging with the press, and more and more community community coming on board, I feel like we've got a really solid momentum building. Um, and ultimately, the way that you stop these things, this sort of thing from happening again is not by finicking around with all the details of every legislation and ordinance, blah, blah, blah. It's just by insisting on the right people getting the job. Um, and I think, I think that's kind of where we're headed with this. You know, even if this thing does get approved somehow, like I think – I think the the community is is now going to look a lot more closely at who they're voting for, and that's good. Absolutely. Mm. Well, thank you so much for coming. Uh, I th you know I I, it, I know it's it, 
it's not a um, an easy thing to do what you're out there doing now and you're getting a lot of pressure to to relent. So don't. Keep fighting the good fight. All right. Well, thanks, Jack. Thanks for all you're doing too. Great discussion, right? I just think this is the sort of leadership that we should demand from our elected leaders. Um, I'm very impressed. Now, I've got a bit of an announcement. You may recall in the first episode of this podcast, I called out the chairman of the planning board, Drew Rena. Uh, for accusing me of making a mockery of the board proceedings uh, and said that he was the one doing so. Well, Drew has stood up and he's going to be joining us as the guest on the next episode of Not the Sparta Town Council podcast. Uh, I've got huge respect for him for doing so and he's to be lauded for agreeing to come on. Um, I'm looking forward to our conversation and, and to sharing it with you. And the discussions that I've had with Drew in negotiating his appearance have been really positive and constructive. And my sense is that he's looking to do the right thing here where he can. Uh, so good on you, Drew. And I'm looking forward to cracking a ice cold Aussie beer with you next week when we chat. Until then, take it easy, Sparta. 